Would you stand with me, please? This is a complicated verse. I'll try and simplify it for you. They, they say educators take simple things and make it complicated so that make you people think they're really something special. Communicators take complicated things and make it simple. I want to be a good communicator today. That we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There's another translation off the top of my head. I think it's uh, the New Living Translation. It said, we should grow in every way. That's my subject today. God bless you. You may seat, sit down. There's a verse that talks about we're fitly joined together. Off the top of my head, I think it's Ephesians. But um, I look at the body of Christ like a brick wall cemented together with a mortar. You see, if all we had in a church was a pile of bricks, then you're going to have to put fences around the bricks, guard dogs, guns, lights, because the enemy can just sneak in and snatch a brick because it's not attached. However, if we are bound together by the mortar of the presence of God, then when when Satan wants to attack a brick, he's going to have to attack the whole wall. He's going to have to attack the bricks beneath that brick, on the side of it, above it. Satan, ladies and gentlemen, let, let me explain to you, Satan is basically lazy. And that's why the Bible said, if you resist him, He won't just walk away. He'll run. There's just an awful lot of people that don't fight. They just just give in and give up. That's why the Bible talks about familiar spirits. You don't even fight them anymore. You You just get familiar with them and you just assume it's one of your weaknesses or vices and you're just going to have to tolerate it. It's not, it's not what's supposed to be done. When you read these verses, If there's one thing that I can get out of these verses, it is, please don't ever let the enemy convince you that you don't matter. That you don't matter. You see, every joint supplies something. Look at this. Now compare that with this. 
I, I cut my thumb off years ago and they sewed it back on. There's a lot of difference between that and that, ladies and gentlemen, because this one's got an extra joint. The body of Christ is much, is able to do a lot more if you're there. Because if you don't show up, we're not talking marijuana here, you know. We're talking about connective tissue. Every joint supplies something to the body. And if you aren't here, we're weaker. And the enemy will just convince you, you don't matter. They won't miss me. Wrong. There are 10,000 things we can't do if you don't show up. Bible said one puts 1,000 to flight, two puts 10,000. If you don't show up, that dynamic of one to 10 is lost. And so there are 10,000 things that they're going to win if you don't show up. It's important. I, the, I've asked people for years, what's the gospel? And the, the answer that I have gotten mo, most many times, gospel's the good news. <clears throat> and I agree with that. However... What I'm looking for is, let's use scripture to explain scripture. Is there a place in the Bible that tells us what the gospel is? Of course. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Paul said, I'm going to declare unto you the gospel which I preached, past tense, which I preached unto you. It's why you're standing He said, I never asked you to do something that I didn't do myself first. I didn't profess something without possessing it. First of all, did that. I preached to you. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. And then he was buried. And then he rose again the third day according to the scripture. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The good news is the bad news is wrong. And... It's important because Romans 1 and 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of salvation. So death, burial, and resurrection is a big deal. Not just by virtue of the fact that it occurred. There is something within nominal Christianity known as the sinner's prayer. Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe Jesus died for your sins? Do you accept them into your heart right now by faith? Congratulations, brother. You're saved. It's a wonderful theory, um, but there's no Bible for it. It's just not there. And, and, and <clears throat> there are people that, that, that don't believe you need to be baptized in water. They don't believe that's necessary. There are people who say, if you want to speak in tongues, that's fine. That's an added work of grace. Let me explain something to you. It's a package deal. He died. He was buried. He resurrected. That's why it says in the book of Acts, he commands all men everywhere to repent. There's no, there's no exceptions to that. Look at Romans 6 and 4. We are buried. See, you have to identify with his death. How do you do that? You can put a gun to your head. You can get run over by a truck. You can take too many volumes. Or 
You can repent. Repent is spiritual dying to your own will. Okay? We identify with his death through our repentance. But Romans 6 and 4 and Colossians 2 and 12 said, we are buried with Christ by baptism. That sounds pretty important to me. There's a verse in Peter that says, the like figure whereunto baptism doth now also save us. So anybody who tells you, you don't need to be water baptized to be saved, they're, they're crazy. There's no Bible for that. Romans 8 says, if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it'll do to you what it did to him. He died. He was a dead, buried corpse. But the spirit re-inhabited the dead, buried body. And when it did, that dead, buried body came back to life. So biblical resurrection is the infilling of the spirit. So we identify with his death through repentance. We identify with his burial with water baptism. And we identify with his resurrection through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That, that's, that's, that's Christianity 101. But according to John chapter 3, now this phrase is not in the Bible. Jesus said, you must be born again. But from John 3 is the term, new birth. So when you repent and are buried in the name of the Lord and filled with his spirit, so filled that he literally burglarizes your mouth and magnifies him in a language you never knew, that's power. That's power, ladies and gentlemen. And that... <clears throat> is the new birth. Did you get it? Birth. Baby. Beginning. Genesis. Start. Watch. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things whom we preach warning every man teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus when I was a child I spake as a child understood as a child thought as a child but when I became a man I put away childish things if you've been baptized in the name of the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit great that's the birth message that is not the grown-up message. This thing is about lifestyle change. This thing is about living life intentionally. All right? This is not just some weekend hobby we're doing here. A, do you understand that this Saturday is the Sabbath? There's no disputing that. Saturday is the Sabbath. So in my mind, Sunday's always been the end of the week. But in the Bible... The Bible, see, there's, there's two great feasts in the Old Testament. There's seven feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. You get this. But when you deal with the first three, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Passover is when something dies, blood is shed, unleavened bread, no leaven, no yeast, nothing is risen, third day, first fruits. It's a great picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. 50 days after first fruits 
comes Pentecost. Study your Bible. Leviticus 23. What is first fruits? First fruits not only commemorated their exit or their exodus from Egypt, it commemorated the greatest jailbreak in the history of the universe. Jesus came out of the grave. Nobody let him out. It's an inside job. You got that? Watch the Bible clearly. Leviticus 23. It's on the morrow after the Sabbath. That's first fruits. 50 days. It said number seven Sabbaths and a day. So seven weeks plus one is 50. You come to what we call Pentecost. That word is not used in the Old Testament. But it's a new text. It's the same concept. The fourth festival is Pentecost. Study Leviticus 23. The morrow after the Sabbath. Sunday. See, the old covenant had a day. It was the Sabbath. It was Saturday. But there's an old covenant and a new covenant. And the new covenant required a new day. That's why the Bible says it was the Lord's day. Read that in Exodus there again and again. When was the Holy Ghost poured out? At nine o'clock on Sunday morning. I'm trying to show you something. This is not the end of the week. This is the beginning of the week. You've started the week right. All right? It's, it's, it's important. And this is, you know, baby dedication Sunday. We have dedicated a bunch this year. And I'm grateful for every one of these amazing children that we've been blessed to have. And we have a lot of bumps in this church right now. God is love. Thank God. So we're not just growing spiritually. We are growing numerically. We're grateful for that. But if you've been around here for any length of time, I have always reminded you. These babies aren't going to remember this day. Just think with me for a minute. What's your earliest memory? What what is the earliest thing you can remember when you were young? For me, it is sitting beside of my dad in an old Ford Galaxy on a cold Sunday, jostling up a rutted hill to pick up the Elliott girls. I remember Judy and Susan. They had brothers. Usually it was the girls we picked up. I was young. My best guess is four. That's the best guess I have. The reason I remember it is not so much for the road or the, the bouncing ride. It was an old car and no seat belts. And I'm sitting beside of my dad and the seat is torn. And my earliest memory is watching my dad while I would reach into the torn seat and pull out chunks of that foam rubber that was in the seat. That's my earliest memory. My point is, these children are going to remember today. We're not here just dedicating children. 
We are here to dedicate us to God for the children. Because they call it christening in Christianity. It's kind of like live any way you want, bring the kid to church, get the seal of good housekeeping, and then go have the morals of a roach. It doesn't matter. Kid's been christened. We're here to dedicate dads, moms, grandpa, grandma, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, friends, the church, the pastor, the pastor's wife. All of us are here to dedicate ourselves to the Lord so that these children can be raised in a great church. I don't want these kids to be raised in a dead church. My dad something, said something that I remember many, many things my dad taught me before he left. But, but he, he said, Harold, we make such a big deal out of people getting baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. But he said, that shouldn't be a surprise to us. He said, we should be stunned when someone isn't baptized. When someone isn't filled with the Holy Ghost. It's like money, you know. People pray, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm in trouble. I need money. I need money. And we pray and pray and pray until God gives you money and then we quit praying. I think we need to pray just as much when God gives you the money about what am I going to do with it now? You don't quit praying when the money shows up. What am I going to do with this blessing that God's put in my life? It's just, you know, this is, this is possibly your first child. It it might be your second, your third, your fourth. But it still amazes you how fast they change. My my wife, fortunately, not for me, but fortunately for my daughter and her family, my wife's in Texas right now. And she was supposed to be home yesterday, but my oldest daughter is very, very, very sick. And so Renee has stayed to help take care of the children and try and help with her daughter. We have two granddaughters. They're really grand. They really are. But she said it again when she landed a couple days ago. Man, Harold, you should see how they've grown and how much they've changed since we last saw them. The oldest is wanting to be a teenager way too soon. The youngest is happily trying out her new language skills, using words with great confidence on her grandma that mean absolutely nothing to grandma. But boy, is Cameron convinced she knows what she's talking about. The great gains that are seen when they're young. The lessons are everywhere. They're getting taller. The, you know, Walking better, growing hair, getting teeth, just becoming what we were all supposed to become, adults. So I'm here to remind us today. I'm here to ask you a question. Are you still growing? Because the word says we need to grow in every way. How's your prayer life? Let let me read you a verse. I exhort there. This is Timothy. This is, there's 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. These are the last things Paul wrote before he died. 
You know, I, I think I mentioned to you recently, when Paul first started, this is what he said, I'm the least of the apostles. That's Corinthians, his earliest book. Later on, he said, I'm the least of the saints. But at the end, this is what he said, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I'm chief. And when he started out preaching, you know, I'm not one of them original 12, but I'm one of them apostles, buddy. And buddy, does he talk about it in his first books. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But later on, he said, I'm not an apostle. I'm just happy to be a saint. But at the end, he said, I was just chiefest of sinners. Because the longer you serve the Lord, the more you understand just how patient he's been with us. That's why I love to repent because it drives Satan crazy. I mean, he, he could look at the Lord and say, I, I, I messed up one time and you threw me out. Harold did 27 of them yesterday and you forgave him. What gives? And I love to do that prayer. I'm forgiven. And you're on your way down and I'm on my way up. How you like that, dummy? How would you like to be a demon right now knowing you backed the wrong horse? He said, have you come to tremendous before our time? They know we're already lost. This is why demons stay together. They, they never voted Satan out as pastor. Knock Satan all you want, but he's really good at what he does. And the only hope they have is to stay together. And that's why I think demons understand unity so much more than we do. And I think it's why they fight unity so much. Because I, I, we used to have a wonderful elder come here every year from Ethiopia. His name was Teclamarian. Ethiopia has known the greatest harvest in the 20th century by far. No, no, no one, other place in the world was even close to it. But this is what Teclamarian said when he was here. We never prayed for revival. We prayed for unity. And when we got unity, we had revival in the church, and then we had harvest of the lost. So jealously guard the unity that we have in this church. I can't impress that upon you enough. You hear a rumor about something, shut it down. Shut it down. Just, 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 just stop that. Because listen to this, I, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I, I saw a documentary recently about Nolan Ryan. I, I'm, my dad was a great baseball player. I, 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 I never followed baseball that much, but I, there's this baseball pitcher named Nolan Ryan. He pitched into his 40s. Nolan Ryan pitched seven no-hitters. Seven. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. They, they, they recently went over some of the old speed recordings that they made. And they have come to the determination that Nolan Ryan could throw a fastball 109 miles an hour. They, they would interview people that used to bat against him. And, and one of them, he said, I just knew when Nolan was pitching, I was striking out four times. He's, because my mind wasn't capable of figuring out what to do that fast. 
So Nolan Ryan isn't known for his curveball, although he had one. He had a deadly changeup. But, but, but he was known for his fastball. But any real pitcher that makes it to what they call the show, you make it to Major League Baseball, you've got to have three pitches. Usually it's a fastball, a slider, a curveball, or some variation of that theme. Satan's like that. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Those are his three pitches. He gave those to Eve. It worked. Study Luke chapter 4. It's the same three pitches that he gave to Jesus in the wilderness. He saw that it was good for food. He said, he's he's fasted 40 days. Turn this bread or this stone into bread. (laughs) You know, you're talking about the lust of the flesh. Then it said, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. You can have all this without a cross. That's the lust of the eye. Take him up to a temple. Go ahead and jump off. You know you're going to float to the ground like you've got, like you got a parachute on your back. You're going to glide to the ground and, and there's going to be a fawning bunch of fans around you, oohing and on, and saying, how did you do that? And who doesn't like to be in the middle of a bunch of, 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 of people that think you're really something special? And yet he hit all three of them balls completely out of the park. Man shall not live by bread alone. You know? Don't, don't. Listen to what Satan said. If you'll fall down. This is Luke 4. If you'll fall down and worship me, I will give you the world because it has been delivered unto me. So the question is, where did he get it? See, when you study about Satan, you then, uh, the word Lucifer, it's only mentioned one time in the Bible. We, we know him as Lucifer. He had power, he fell. He's anointed cherub that covered, okay? He fell. So Adam is given dominion over the earth. So when Satan comes into the garden, he's a panhandler. He's got his hat in his hand. He's a beggar because he doesn't have dominion. Adam's got dominion. But when Adam bought into the lie... He transferred dominion of the earth to Satan. That's how, you know, guys always talk about women, but this is what Romans 5 said. By one man, not one woman, by one man, sin entered into the world. Okay? So Satan had power. He lost it. He got it for the second time at the garden. But when you read Colossians, it says Jesus made a show of him openly, stripping him and triumphing over him. So now... He's lost that power again. He had it in in heaven. He lost it. He got it in the garden a second time. He lost it at Calvary. This is why the early church revolutionized their world in 30 years. Because they're dealing with a recently stripped Satan. Now here we are 2,000 years after the cross. And we're dealing with a powerful enemy again. Jesus said, I have all power in heaven and in earth. There can't be two all-powerfuls. You got that? There can only be one. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. If you've ever dealt with anybody in the occult or anybody that deals with these alternate religions, that says, I'll give you power. They can't. Don't you get it? There's only one all-powerful. He's sharing that power with his church. So my question is, where'd Satan get the power? 
again after he was stripped at the cross. The church. Life and death are in the tongue. Your words empower one kingdom or another. How's, how's, how's your language doing? How do you talk about one another? How you doing on fake book? Huh? How's your prayer life? Do you know what an intercessory prayer is? Do you even know? I'll tell you what it is. It's not when you pray for what you want. It's when you pray for what the Lord wants. Intercessory prayer is not my will, but thine be done. And praying here for what the Lord wants. What about giving of thanks? I, I meet people all the time. I, I'm in all kinds of venues. All the I, people treat prayer like dominoes. I want two of these, four of those, and one of these, and you better get here in 20 minutes or less. You've you got to understand something. In, in, in the Old Testament, they had an Old Testament church house called Moses' Tabernacle. There were three openings in Moses' Tabernacle. One's known as the gate. The gate got you into the the front yard, known as the outer court. Then you went through the door, and that got you into the holy of place. And then you had to go through the veil to get into the holy of holies. Listen to what Psalm said. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. In other words, if you don't know how to pray with thanksgiving, you're not even getting in the front yard. Forget about the holy place and the holy of holies. You, you never. Do you know how to thank God? Because there's thanksgiving, and there's praise, and there's worship. They're not the same. See, worship is an old Middle English word. This is, this is old Middle English text in a King James Bible. I'm not denigrating it because I think it's the best true translation of, of, of the Greek language. But, but, but worship is an old Middle English word, worth-ship. What's he worth to you? How much do you value Jesus? Because there are going to be days when, see, if every, if every, if all of our worship is based on what he's done for us, there are going to be a days when the enemy is going to convince you nothing good's happened to you. And if all of your quote unquote worship is based on what he's done for you, whether you're feeling good or whether you've got plenty of money left over or whether, you know, everything, everybody loves you. It's just, if you, if all your ducks are in a row, then, then it's easy to worship the Lord. No, 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 that's not what it's talking about. See, see, Thanksgiving, when my, grand, when my mom and dad gave something to my girls, I, I, I would just stand back. I'm waiting for one thing. Thanks, Grandpa. Thanks, Grandma. Thanksgiving is, is the lowest form of magnifying God. That, that's, just, that's just etiquette, man. That's just manners. Thank you, Lord. You think you don't have anything? Let me remind you of something. You've got his air in your lungs. You've got his sanity in your mind. You have his strength in your body. Don't you ever let the enemy convey. If you're breathing, man, that's a big deal. There's lots of people on the obituary page would gladly trade places with you and your problems right now just to be alive. Okay? So you better know how to thank him. But then you get into praise, which is bragging on your master. But then you graduate into worship, which is worth-ship. 
It has nothing to do with what he's done for you. It has everything to do with who he is. Watch. You, you listen to a lot of our songs. Listen to how we pray. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. I, I say this to people. I've said it for years. You need to learn how to make prayers. Amen. In just a little while, we're going to make prayers. What's that mean? Would you quit saying hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's vain repetition. You got a brain. All right? You got 26 letters in this alphabet. Have you ever heard of verbs, adverbs, adjectives, nouns, prepositions? What do you, I'm saying use that brain that God gave you and put together a prayer, a real one. Don't just keep saying the same thing again and again and again and again. What are you talking about? I'm talking about growing in prayer. Can you pray in intercession? Paul said I was instant in prayer. Instant. I, I used to have an elder in my life named Billy Cole. And he would line us up. And he would say, let me hear you pray. And one of them started praying. said, get, go, get, get. And he'd go to the next one. And buddy, when Billy Cole looked you from two feet away and said, let me hear you pray. You better get anointed. Fast. You better be able to plug in. Boom. And if you couldn't, he just dismiss you. Go pray. You're not ready. Paul one time said, I know no man as to the flesh. In other words, when he met you and shook your hand, he's giving you an MRI. Does this guy get a good spirit or not? Is this woman lewd or not? There's some people, ladies and gentlemen, I will send them my love offering in the mail. There's just some people I don't want to be around. Quiet. Do you know, do you know what supplication is? Strong crying and tears. Not crying, strong crying. Listen to this verse. It said, the effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people avails, which means it matters. Not now I lay me down to sleep, park my truck in the street, hope nobody rips it off. I'm not talking about that. Our Father, it's our name in hell, be thy name. It says, come on, grow. Do you pray in tongues all the time? Great. Now learn to play in English. Do you have another language? Pray in that language. Do you know how to intercede? Do you know how to give thanks? Do you need know how to supplication? Do you know? Why? Because if we're going to be really good at this, if a pitcher needs three pitches, I think we need at least three prayers. Three different ways to know how to pray. Because you know and I know, you get praying that same way all the time. It ain't going to work all the time. A couple years ago, I preached the same message in this church four Sundays in a row. And afterwards, some genius said, Pastor, you got more to preach than that, don't you? Yeah, why do you keep preaching? I'm preaching until you get it. Preach it again and again and again. And don't get it. Listen to me. How's your prayer life? You need to grow in every way. How you doing with money? I'm not a money preacher. You know that. I've never been a money preacher. We're building a new temple. 
We got millions of dollars that we've saved and we're going to get millions more. And I thank you. Hey, I wasn't supposed to hear the announcement, but I heard it. End of the month, Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Nice. I want a card. No money. You got that? I don't want no gift cards to restaurants. I don't want no gift cards to Woodcraft, which I dearly love. I don't want that. I appreciate your giving to Imagine. That's what we're focusing on now. We're not focusing on the pastor. All right? I got everything that I need. If I want something else, I'll just go out and buy it. I'm not telling you that I don't appreciate your giving. Thank you for your kindness. What I'm trying to explain to you is something right now. I want you to grow. I want you to grow. I want you to grow. Why? Because the greatest people I've ever met in my life have two character qualities. They're givers and they're forgivers. The whole basis of Christianity is forgiveness. It stuns me how many people, I can't forgive them. I can't be around them. What, what if Jesus said that about you and me? How many dumb things have I done to the Lord? How many reasons have I given him to avoid me and to just, 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 just to disinherit me? And he's never done that. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. And yet he took all the blame. And that's why we have the church. What is the ministry of Jesus? Nobody got the Holy Ghost when Jesus was preaching in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, except his apostles. He didn't baptize anybody else. I'll tell you what the ministry of Jesus was. Mercy and deliverance. Mercy. Hey, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, it's just, read the story about Cornelius in Acts 10. His, his prayer and his giving have come up as a memorial before me. Wow. Very quiet in here. Everybody that doesn't give always says the same thing. I can't afford it, Pastor. But everybody that gives have these great stories. These great stories. Karen Breeza called our home a couple days ago, worshiping, crying, laughing about the, the new job God just gave her. I could go on and on, man. I got all this stuff in my brain. Stephen Saylor, his concrete company. Stephen gave a, an overly generous offering when we began in April. I said, Stephen, it's going to be meal barrel religion this year. He said, what do you mean? I said, just about the time you think you're down to your last concrete job, God's going to give you another one and another one and another one, and you won't be out of work this year. And so Bob Lichtel's here. Ask Bob Lichtel. He, he, he's involved with that company. Ask him. They've been working. They're working still. All these other companies, they're doing everything they can to stay alive. But people that have given and made commitments to what we're trying to do, I'm not talking about, it doesn't go in my pocket. I'm not talking about feathering my retirement nest. I'm talking about, I, I got, <laughs> I started paying taxes when I was 14 years old. I'm 65. In September, my accountant called me and he said, Harold, I wanted to call you. You're getting a tax refund. I said, what? He said, you're getting a tax. I've done your taxes, Harold, for 30 years. You've never gotten a tax return. I said, oh, it's worse than that. I haven't ever, I've been paying taxes for, what is that? 
14 to 65, that's, that's 50 years. I never got a tax return. September I did. Because my wife and I determined if we were going to lead this church, then we were going to lead in giving with the new, new, new temple. I got a call. Or not a call. The IRS didn't call. I got a letter two weeks ago. Mr. Hoffman, we, we made a mistake on your tax returns three years ago. We're sending you a check for $384. Not only did I get a tax return in September, two weeks ago, I get a check from the stingiest agency in the history of the planet. <laughs> who They didn't say you made a mistake or your accountant made it. They said, we made a mistake. The IRS doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, they do. I can go on and on and on. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. If you don't put any money in it, your heart's not going to be in it. If you think Jesus needs my money, I'm crazy. I need his blessing. I need his blessing in my life. <laughs> so, how you, how you doing? How, how you doing with your time? Show me your calendar and show me your checkbook and I'll tell you who your God is. Show me what you do with your time and show me what you do with your money and I'll tell you who's in charge of your life. How about the Bible? Is, is this the only scripture you're going to hear all week? Is this it? It stuns me how many people don't read the Bible. I have this, Renee got in contact with this wonderful guy. Very, he's a very respected architect in this devout Catholic man. Wonderful guy. Opens up his home every year to the homeless. Always collecting coats for people that don't, that are cold. Always, oh. Pickets all the abortion places. This guy's the real deal. Keeps coming over to my house. And I asked him, David, why do you keep coming to my house? And he said, Pastor Hoffman, all I've ever known was the Pope and the saints. But when I come to your house, all I ever hear about is Jesus and the Bible. And he said, I don't know anything about Jesus. And I don't know anything about the Bible. I just know the Pope and the saints. And I just enjoy coming here and learning more of the word and more about the Lord. Are you going to read your Bible this week? Or is it just going to sit there? Come on, be honest with me right now. Do you read it? Really? Do you, it's just, are you growing in the word. Are you faithful to your spouse? Do you still love your wife? I, I was in a business a couple months ago and, and the man was going through a terrible divorce. And I, I said, well, don't you have anything good to say about her? And he said, she was a great housekeeper, Pastor. Pastor. 
I said, well, that's nice. He said, she kept all three of them. (laughs) We had a man visit here one time. He'd been divorced four times. And I said, what is wrong with you? And he said, I like that new wife smell. Are you committed to your marriage? We're apostolic people, ladies and gentlemen. There's no way out. Don't you get it? There's no way out for us. We're in this thing. We made a vow to God for better or for worse. And let me tell you as a pastor, worse can get pretty worse. Are you willing to weather that? Do you know in the Bible, if I made a vow to kill you and I didn't kill you, God would judge me because I didn't keep my vow? This foul thing, it's a big deal. It's just, how you doing at work? If, if I called your supervisor tomorrow, I, I had this range finder. And, and it was a, a really nice one. And, you know, I went to go hunting a couple weeks ago with the fellas. And, and I went to check out my range finder. It's a big deal when you bow hunt. And it wasn't working good. And so I called this company. I had a lifetime guarantee on my range finder. So I called this very respectable company. Leupold was their name. And, and, and the guy said, would you please read out the, the serial, the number of your rangefinder?" And I, I, I did. And he said, um, um, uh, our, our corporate policy has changed, Mr. Hoffman. And <clears throat> we're, um, <clears throat> I, I can't honor that warranty. And uh, I said, well then I'm going to need another one. And uh, I said, Do you, can I buy another one? And he said, yeah, sure. And I, so I, I started giving him credit card numbers. He said, you mean right now? I said, yeah, right now. I need a rangefinder." He said, oh, Mr. Hoffman, now I can help you. He said, I'm authorized to give you a massive discount on a new rangefinder if you'll buy one off of me right now. Because of this live stream, I'm not going to tell you what he did for me. But we're getting to the end of the conversation. And I said, is this conversation recorded? And he nervously said, yes, yes sir, it is. I said, I, I want to tell whoever it is that's listening to this recording right now, I want you to give Brandon a raise. Man, is this a good guy. He's got great people skills. He was very patient with me. And he very, very, with a lot of class, defended your hopeless lifetime warranty that you weren't willing to honor. But he did his best to cover your tracks. Now, if you don't hire him, I'll hire him. Because this is a good guy. But at the very minimum, give this guy a raise. Something in the low five figures just to give him some money for Christmas, okay? The guy says, Mr. Hoffman, I've been in customer service for 17 years. Nobody ever, ever tried to get me a raise. He said, I can't thank you enough. That was nice. It was just, you're a good employee. If I had to talk to your employer tomorrow, what would he say? What kind of employee are you? I tell young men in this church when they get out of college and they're getting their first job, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the owner of that company and I want you to tell them, I'm going to make you a millionaire. I'm here to make you a lot of money. 
I promise you, I'm going to give you a fair day's work for a fair day's wage. I promise you, I'll show up on time. I promise you, I'll never steal from you. I promise you, you're going to make more money because I'm a part of this company. See what happens when you say that. Listen to this verse. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Watch. They must give an account. I I never saw that until this week. I have to do that. Do it so that they can do it with joy. Come on, give me a break. You're in judgment. Everybody's going to be in judgment. There's going to be a woman come into judgment. You're not going to recognize her. She's the queen of Sheba. The Bible said the queen of the south will rise in judgment against this generation because she journeyed to hear the wisdom of Solomon and a greater than Solomon is here. This girl went 800 miles. I'm not talking Learjet. I'm not talking limo here. I'm talking riding on the back of a a beast. Went 800 miles to get the answer to a riddle. You have access to salvation. This woman went 800 miles to get an answer to a riddle. Some people can't walk across the street to go to church. That's why the Bible said some people's sins go before them and some people's sins come behind them. You want them to go before you. You want to get that stuff dealt with before you ever get there. Because the last thing you want to do is be in judgment. And all of a sudden this girl, and you say, I don't know who this is. And she's saying, I never had a chance to get the Holy Ghost. I never had access to Jesus' name baptism. I never owned a Bible. I never had a church family. But I was hungry. And all of a sudden your pastor comes in. And the Lord said, all right, Brother Hoffman, up or down? Yes or no? What kind of a saint were they? I had to deal with something not terribly long ago. Somewhere between the North Pole and South Pole? No, it was here. I'm not coming back to your church. I don't like your music. You don't sing enough of them old songs. I don't like your music. And I just told him, I said, let me explain something to you. Them people that you're criticizing, they're at prayer every Monday night. I'll tell you why I support them. It's not because of their music. It's because of their prayer life. I've never seen you in prayer, but I see them in prayer all the time. That's why I'm going to stand by them because they got a heart. They got a heart for the kingdom. You get what I'm saying? That's what I want to say one day. Lord, these people did. We, we, in the first service, Phil and Kayla Heskett, they got three kids under the age of five. You, you come here tomorrow night. We've never made prayer on Monday mandatory. We never have, but the place is full on Monday night. And I, I, that, that, I'm so, I can't tell you what that means to me and what that means to the heart of God because there are something in the Bible known as sweet savor offerings. Sweet savor was voluntary. Nobody made you do it. You did it because you understand the value of it. I promise you, don't, 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 don't come at seven. Come at 20 till seven and you'll see Phil and Kayla Heskett get out of their van. He's got a baby carrier with Jackson and he's what, like, like four months old and he's got the other boy in his hand and then she's coming and she's got the little girl in her hand. Now watch when you run around this altar on 
tomorrow night because, because the baby's going to have a rolling pin and she's going to have all of her cooking supplies right there. And I always tell her, make me a pizza while I pray, baby doll. And she's down there, man, rolling out that dough and making my pizza. Bo Schimbeckler, you ever heard of Bo Schimbeckler, Michigan? Man, this is what Schimbeckler said. He said, if you're on time, you're late. But if you're early, you're on time. That's Phil and Kayla Heskett. I know people that don't have kids. I know people have no responsibility. They don't ever show up on time. They're always late. But I see Phil and Kayla that have three excuses not to be on time. But they're early every time. Man, I can't wait to give an account of their life in front of the Lord one day. These people made my job easy. I can do this with joy. I can do it with joy. It's an unprecedented day. Old Testament talks about windows, not the New Testament. Talks about doors. Listen to this verse. I'm closing. For a great and effectual door is opened unto me, and there's many adversaries. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Satan has attacked the sanctity of marriage. He's done a really good job at it. He has attacked the identity of what a man is and what a woman is. When a man wants to pretend to be a woman, I'm expected to pretend right along with him. He has attacked the sanctity of life with abortion at the beginning and euthanasia of our elders at the end. From the womb to the tomb, the enemy of our soul has attacked these things, these things that were sanctified in the first chapter of the Bible. Marriage, male and female created he them. Life. I have been repeatedly warned by various agencies and voices to make sure that now we're on live stream to keep a very clear distinction between church and state. But for me personally, Christians have been screaming about abortion for years. Picket planned parenthood all you want. But in a couple weeks, you're going to be able to decide whether your governor kills babies or not. You're going to get, let me tell you what, I don't care if the next governor fixes the roads or not. The roads are not an eternal issue. They say better roads, better schools, lower taxes. But if I can have me a leader, it'll say our hands are not going to shed innocent blood. I want to know where you're going to be on that day. Where are you going to be on your day? I'm asking you to vote your faith. Vote your faith. Why? Because we have an enemy that's attacking precious things. It is an impressive day. Listen to the verse before we pray. Where sin abounds, grace doth even yet much more abound. However much sin there's going to be, there's always going to be more grace. 
However much garbage, there's going to be more grace. However much sewage, there's going to be more of the Lord. We are living in a cesspool right now. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If your confidence is in the political culture of this world, you are out of your ever-loving mind. But the Bible, Isaiah called him Prince of Peace, but Paul called him King of Peace. See, we're Americans. We're, this is the republic. The, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is not a republic. It is not majority rule. He's the king. We're his servants. Do you understand that? That's the way that works. The, the America doesn't mean nothing in the Bible. He doesn't love you because he, he'll love you because what you do is just not because whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, Jesus doesn't ride on the back of donkeys or elephants. Listen to me. something. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. We're looking for a, ah, oh, Jesus, we're looking for a church. Stand, stand. This was supposed to be 20 minutes. It wasn't. So Sarah and Austin, Brig Reed up here. Aaron and Rachel have Arden. And Brad and Shirley have Elena. Are you growing? Are you growing in every way? I know you may have gained a few pounds. Maybe you've got more equity in your house. I know we've all got more stuff than we used to have. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if someone hasn't seen you for six months. Can they see you now and go... Wow, have they changed. Wow, they're praying better than they ever did. They're worshiping better than they ever did. In the same way that that child is constantly changing and we're just amazed at how quick they're growing. Let's keep growing, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep growing in every way. Grow with your prayer. Grow with your money. Grow with your relationships. Grow with your time. In Jesus' name. Come right up here. Bring, 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 bring them. We got Reed and Arden and Elena. Just come here. If your family, I'd like you to come behind. Come behind Austin and Sarah and Rachel and, and uh, Aaron. and Come behind Brad and Shirley right now. Your family aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, grandpa, grandma, mom, dad. Let's come here right now. i like our ministry team to come up here and stand in front of these people here right now. Amen. We have precious elders in this church. Amen. Amen. i like the trustees to come. Amen. Brother Gibbs, I don't, I don't know if you're in town this week or not. If you're in, come up here. Brother Makito Mori, come up here. Brother, Brother Hill, Brother Bob Lichtel, would you please come up here? Amen. Greg Vandewater, will you come up here? Just get, 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 get around here right now. We're going to make prayers right now, okay? Not hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to make prayers right now. Lord Jesus, I want the church to come. I won't embarrass you, just, but I, whether you know these people or not, I'm asking you to be a brick. I'm asking you to come around them right now and stand by them. Amen. And be fitly joined together here right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're watching us online. Would you please not let the distance stop you from praying with me right now? You may know some of these people. You may not know them. Doesn't matter. The Bible said, God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Amen. The Bible talks about praying one for another. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for these daddies right now. 
I'm praying for these daddies. I'm praying for Austin. I'm praying for Aaron. I'm praying right now for Brad in the name of Jesus. I, I got to have daddies, Lord. America's weak because she has weak churches. Churches are weak because they have weak families. Families are weak because they have weak daddies. If we can fix the dad problem, we can fix the family. We can fix the church. We can fix our world. But it begins right here, Lord. I'm asking you, God, for these three men. Dear Jesus, I can't imagine the the wiles. I can't imagine the, 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 the traps and the snares that the enemy has done their best to try and dismantle. Amen. What's in these men's heart for their sweetheart? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I don't want any of these children to ever have to learn how to how to say in incompatibility. I don't I don't I don't want these kids to ever have to try and figure out what irreconcilable divorces are. I don't want these children to ever have to decide is this the week I stay with mommy or daddy? I'm asking I'm asking you <laughs> I'm asking you God right now. I'm asking you again right now. I gotta have somebody that's gonna be the bigger Christian right now. I've gotta have somebody that's gonna take the lead. It's always been the men. It's always been the men. I pray for Brad. I pray for Aaron. <laughs> oh Jesus. I pray for Austin right now. Oh Jesus. I pray for these precious wives, for these mothers, Lord. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of women around this world that would love to have a child, and they can't. But you have graced and blessed the womb of these women with this child. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, to just give special grace to these mothers right now. I pray for Grandma and Grandpa that they would be legitimately grand and great. I pray for aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews. I pray for their brothers and sisters that are in this church family. Oh God, oh God, don't let these kids be raised to see grandma hating grandpa, to see aunts and uncles fussing and fighting. But when grandpa and grandma dies, I don't want the kids to have to see them fighting over a chair or a table or some stupid piece of furniture. Oh God, I'm asking you right now, Lord Jesus, let these children be raised in a church. This church makes a covenant with you right now, Lord. Oh God, I want these children. I want them around the altar. I want them playing instruments. I want them involved in the worship, in the music. Oh Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I don't, I don't want these kids to be raised in a dead, lifeless church. 
I don't want these kids to be raised in a place where conviction never, ever shows up anymore. I don't want these children to be raised in a church, God, of, of, of schisms and, 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 and territorialism. I'm asking you, God, right now to let these children be raised in a church that's unified and harmonized, that they were all gathered together in one place where two or three are gathered together and they were all in one accord in one place. Yes, we're in the same room, but are we together right now? I'm asking you, Lord, I don't want just everybody in the same building. I want their spirits together. I'm asking you, God, we dedicate this church family to you. As the pastor of this church, I dedicate myself, Lord, to these children. I've prayed this prayer for years, and I will continue to pray this prayer. Lord, you take me early. If you see that I'm going to bring shame on this church, if you see that I'm going to do something stupid and going to cause questions and confusion in these young lives, you get me out of here now because I'm ready to meet you now. I don't want these children to ever have to say, whatever happened to Pastor Hoffman, Daddy? Whatever happened to Ashley's dad? Why don't Brother and Sister Hoffman love one another anymore? Oh God, pastor, people, family, elders. We dedicate ourselves to you for these children. Let them grow straight and strong. Fill them with the Holy Ghost at a young age. Let them be baptized in your name at a young age. Help us, God, to pour good things into them that when they when they are legal and Michigan says they can get drunk and Michigan says they can have an abortion and Michigan says they can go to the casino and Michigan says all this stuff that's legal, but it's not right. I'm asking you, God, that we would instill right policies and principles in their lives. So when they're old enough to make their own choices, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, put your hand on someone right now. Pray for your brother and sister right now. We jealously guard unity around this altar right now. We make a covenant, God. I'm going to be better at prayer. I haven't been as faithful to prayer as I should be, but I'm going to be. I haven't been reading your word like I should. I make a covenant today. I'm going to be, I'm going to be stronger in the word. I've been hit or miss with my money, Lord. Not, not after today. Not, I'm not going to pay all my bills, and then if I have something left over, I might give an offering. I'm going to give my tithing first. I'm going to give you the first fruits of what I've been blessed with. And I'm going to believe you're going to bless the rest of it. And give me, give me the ability, Lord, in this crazy culture, in this insane economic time. I'm believing you, God, to bless your people and to use them as an example to this community of the benefit and blessing of serving you and living by your values. Jesus name let's thank the Lord together thank the Lord for five fingers on each hand thank the Lord for five toes on each foot thank the Lord the teeth are coming in <laughs> hey they're getting potty trained ain't that a big deal 
You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I know saints that have never been potty trained. They never did grow up. Christ was never formed in them. It's time to put away childish things, ladies and gentlemen. Have you been born again? Great. Now it's time for the Lord to be formed in us. Precious God, I'm grateful for this day. I went to a funeral yesterday. We've been very blessed in this church. I know we're getting older. I, I know we'll have funerals tomorrow, but not right now. I'm grateful for our young people. I'm grateful for these babies. I really am, Jesus. I don't have I don't have many regrets in my life. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't have many regrets. But I have one, there is one regret I have. I wish I would have had more children. I wish I'd have had more children. My wife, my wife, that wasn't my wife, that was me. And I, I wanna give honor to these, to these couples, growing these families. When you're my age, you're gonna be grateful for all them grandkids and great grandkids. In Jesus' name, it's been an honor to be in church with you today. Go out there, before you leave, before you leave, whether you know them or not, come up here and shake their hand. Bless these people. Just bless them. Give them a word of encouragement. Because some of you are older and you know what they're about to go through and they don't. It's not terrible twos. It's disgusting threes. It's horrible fours. It's fives that are absolutely horrendous. <laughs> but there's great memories in there as well. You know that. Come and bless them. Come good to them. If you can, come and pray with me tomorrow night. Come and pray with me tomorrow night. I love you. God bless you. In Jesus' name.